Hello and welcome to Armenia by the Glass podcast. My name is Elaine Kasabian and my guest today is Garen Charakian, owner and founder of Stork Wines. Garen was my guest back in June 2021 for episode two when he spoke about how his wine journey began from purchasing his first vineyard in the village of Taparagan in the Ararat province, dealing with a challenging harvest in 2020, to bottling his first vintage. In this episode six, you'll hear how far he has come on his wine journey. Not only has he bottled his wine, but it is also available in over 20 outlets in Armenia and in the UK. He has also built his own winery, where he hopes to produce his 2022 vintage. I'm sure you'll enjoy listening to this episode. You'll hear how someone new to the wine industry has achieved so much in a short space of time. So hello, Garen. Welcome to Armenia by the Glass podcast. I'm so pleased you've come back to let us know how your wine journey is going. Um, When we spoke back in June last year, you were about to bottle your 2020 wine. How did that go? Hello, Elaine. Um, Thanks for having me back. We bottled in July, which was slightly delayed because um, we sourced all the components, some of the key components like bottles and corks, for instance, from France and took a while for them to arrive. So there was a slight delay with uh, bottling. We um, were hoping to start selling in the market uh, at the height of the season, sort of, um, and it starts, as you know, from June onwards. So we missed a bit of that, but we are catching up. And, you know, as, as you know, sort of logistically, it hasn't been very straightforward since um, the events of 2020. What did you do with the wine? Did you decide to um, put it in stainless steel or did you decide to put it in oak? It was uh, sort of prepared in, in uh, stainless steel, so we didn't put it in oak. And that requires a whole lot of preparation beforehand. Um, so this time it was just pretty straightforward when we um, harvested it in, in sort of late 2020, in o- October, and then it was maturing in stainless steel, and then we bottled it straight away in, in July. How long was it in stainless steel for? So, so about six or seven months, I guess, in total, yeah. And could you give us a little hint about the wine notes? What are, what does it taste like, your 2020? It's really light. It has citrusy and sort of apple uh, blossom um, sort of notes. Um, it's it's dry. It's easy to drink. It's pleasant on its own. It can be consumed also with light hors d'oeuvres, like with, with cheese, um, with pastas, uh, with seafood as well. Um, and we've tried all of these <laughs> sort of combinations, but and it it uh, seems to be working quite well. Um, and you know, we worked with obviously with sommeliers um, of the places that we sort of introduced our product to, and um, uh, equally, they they were um, positive in terms of their feedback about the the wine and the sort of the best uh, ways of pairing it. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's been well received in the market uh, by our trade partners um, and also by our colleagues within the industry. Uh, but more importantly, even uh, the consumers uh, seem to uh, have received it quite well. We have some evidence of that, just anecdotal, but also you know um, 
these are the the the, the so stories, the sort of the success stories that you keep hearing that people would sort of make a repeat purchase or um, let's say a company director who tried it um, in a restaurant then decided to order several cases for he, for their staff for the New Year's as presents. So it's those things that kind of we keep hearing that encourage us. So when was the wine actually ready for the market? It, um, in July last year, and we put it straight away. Uh, we started sort of negotiating with um, um, the retailers and with um, the Horeca outlets, and I would describe this strategy as seeding strategy. Um, and it sort of harks back to my tobacco sort of years, many years ago when uh, you basically identify the key um, channels that you want to first introduce your product to and then when it sort of gains traction you expand your distribution um, and so that's what we're in the process of doing so we are now in over 20 outlets in Yerevan and these include selective channels like specialized um, wine and spirit stores uh, really premium concepts like the house and Andako, uh, for example. And then it's um, restaurants that are driven by wine, that uh, places that take wine very seriously as a category. Um, it's place like Invino, which is an iconic place on Sarian Street. They were the first ones who, who took, uh, who listed uh, Stork, and we are grateful to them for that but it's also other restaurants like new ones like Barev Arev um, which is a contemporary Armenian cuisine restaurant that just opened a couple of months ago they also took um, Stork and uh, they have reordered several times since is that in Yerevan yes it is in it is in Yerevan it, it's um, really sort of new um, young innovative uh, chef um, and what he's doing in terms of popularizing mod and modernizing, taking a new sort of take on um, Armenian cuisine is really exciting. And it's really great to be in, in this place and other similar places. And so we've been staying out of um, the grocery chains for now and really sort of trying to work and trying to um, sort of engage with um, uh, consumers through uh, such uh, touch points like in vino i mean to have it to have a new wine in over 20 places is fantastic yes it's oh well we we want to be in more um and we're constantly on the lookout and we're talking and um, those things um sometimes you know they they take time so do you so it's available in uh, armenia so do you have uh, plans to Exported out. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. We exported, um, we started the process uh, back in um, early August. Um, we export, managed to export um, some stock into the UK. It was um, not without its challenges because it was just post-Brexit. Nothing went wrong, but it just took a bit of hand-holding, if you will. But we managed to get through it, and looking back, it it took only six weeks. So I think when the dust settles, so so to speak, <laughs> we will manage to reduce the lead times and 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 get the the sort of supplies um, more regularly. But yes, um, so 
the uh, stork has landed <laughs> on UK shores, yes, in <laughs> or, uh, sort of early September. And uh, since then, we, we started selling some through a um, e-commerce platform that is specializing solely in selling uh, Armenian wines. It's called um, armenianwines.com.uk. The owner of that side, the wine merchant uh, named Charles Masraf, he is also has um, sort of Armenian roots, but he, he lives in, in Scotland. And um, he was also kind enough to um, make sure that our wine was introduced at a, v- a very important event in the House of Lords in December. It was uh, um, presented to uh, our uh, MPs. And how was it received? Did you did you get anything? Yeah, very well. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. And, um, it was it was very positive, and um, it was good that you know our sort of um, the Armenian um, ambassador was there as well. And it's it's always great to to have these trade um, bridges uh, built with the local community here, but also with the sort of consumers at large. We don't want to limit ourselves to just um, Armenian consumers in the UK. We think uh, and we believe Stork has a broader appeal. Um, the sort of expanding that export uh, strategy to other markets, we're looking at Russia because um, the, uh, de facto it's uh, we're part of the common market, the Eurasian Economic Union with Russia. And so it's not really exporting there. It's more sort of finding the right partners there because the product is um, compatible and sort of compliant with the requirements of the Russian market. So we hope to find the right partners there as well to introduce it into key markets like Moscow, perhaps St. Petersburg as well. And um, we've been encouraged recently by the initiatives taken by Vine and Wine Foundation, the industry body, and with, with support of the Armenian government, they set up a um, hub in Berlin uh, where small producers like ourselves can chip in um, and send them, um, some of their stocks in a mixed container so that it's stored there. And then um, it's a beachhead, effectively, from where you can sort of... Um, introduce the product uh, through e-commerce site uh, to East, uh, sort of EU countries. So we're looking into that as well. And hopefully this year we will um, do something about that. That's great because then um, there's a much wider a variety of Armenian wines that you can consume in, in Europe. And hopefully in the UK. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the, sort of going back to Armenia, you know, we also what was important is that we uh, were given an opportunity by our partners' card, which is uh, sort of part of USAID uh, initiatives, and um, we took part in two trade fairs um, and also a wine and spirits festival, and these were the sort of first um, sort of opportunities for us to uh, engage directly with Armenian consumers through wine tastings at those sites. And uh, again, it, it was an overwhelmingly positive um, experience and we're hoping to build upon that as well. It's amazing what you've done in quite a short space of time, really. I mean, I remember when we spoke back in June, you were saying, I mean, before that you had the harvest, which 
you had a really difficult time. There was the war and there was COVID. So it's quite incredible what you've managed to do with all those difficulties. So now um, I just mentioned the harvest. I know uh, the harvest back in 2020 was quite challenging. Um, How was it in 2021? Was that pretty, was that different? Uh, Yes, in 2021, obviously um, not without its challenges, um, but um, of course much sort of less uh, challenging than the 2020 uh, sort of harvesting. Um, There were a couple of things that uh, that's worth mentioning is that this year, so 2021 vintage was much lower than 2020 because 2020 was just unusually high yield sort of a year um but in addition to that we consciously um took some effort to reduce to manage the yield so that you know in the hope of improving the quality we're waiting to see what the, the final product will be but so far the signs have been encouraging you know because we track you know we, we sort of visit the wine works and uh, along with their team we do sort of tastings um just to see how the wine is coming along but uh, it, it will still take several months before we know you know what what the final product will be like right and was just out of interest on the 2020 was the yield high because of the weather conditions was it very hot it's, it's really difficult to say uh, it wasn't really i mean i wouldn't say that 20 um 21 was radically different in terms of weather or temperatures from 2020. But uh, I think across the board, it wasn't just grapes, but food as well. The, yeah, the, 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 yeah the, the volumes were much higher. And so everyone was expecting that because of that surge in 2021, they were expecting the reduction of um, the harvest. But like I said, it wasn't a, we didn't, uh, see it as a bad thing because we to begin with we were we were trying to reduce that yield as well because we want to improve our vines and sort of we manage our uh, uh, vineyards better to, to sort of um, get better yield better vintage so you when we spoke last time you were also saying that you were hoping to um, build your own winery how are those plans going they have succeeded. That's really good news. Oh <laughs> well, yeah, because um, it, again, it, it took us longer than uh, we thought because it involved um, ordering and then sort of receiving large pieces of equipment like um, fermentation tanks that we ordered from Bulgaria. It took several months for them to arrive, but they did finally in November, and now they are in place. Um, and then we bought all the essential pieces like pumps and uh, crasher, the stammer. And then our, again, our angels from Card, they helped us with the wine press and with the filter, which is great. And so we are now, we have all these essential pieces right. of equipment all in one place in the winery in uh, Ashtarak. And um, just a few accessories need to be bought to set everything up and and sort of um have it the winery up and running and ready for the 2022 harvest i'm pleased to say yeah that we sort of did um some um we we took some measures you know to design um that area in a way that you know will 
make it easier for us to harvest. Your vineyards are in Taperagan. Your wineries in Ashtarag. How far are they from each other? Well, it's about 50 kilometers. It's not ideal, but it's just the way it uh, worked out. Because um, um, I chose as my base um, Ashtarag, but before that, there was uh, the vineyard was already purchased and it was in Taperakan. So, um, yeah, we try to manage it. It's not ideal, but um, I think I mentioned when we first time we spoke is that uh, in 2021, we enlisted the support of our neighbor. And so we were concentrating on more like quality assurance and they were doing all the necessary schedules, uh, operations like pruning and uh, applying of, you know, and watering and uh, pesticides, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and it worked much better this way because it freed up a lot of time to, so we can concentrate on things like, you know, um, on, on, on operations and on um, exports and things like that. So your 2021 will actually be made in your winery? 20, 2022 vintage, 20, this year's vintage will be produced. When we spoke in June, you had all these plans and, you know, um, create your winery, etc. And you've done that. So what what's next? We're obviously looking at what the next steps would be and how we can uh, expand and you know the, the operations um, in terms of adding capacity, you know, adding things like red wine. We're looking for best sort of strategy to to do, to achieve that. Next, I guess it's is those getting those export uh, projects up and running. It's expanding the distribution in Armenia in the domestic market, um, and then looking at ways to expand the range, expand uh, the operations. Maybe look at. Um, sort of expanding the vineyards as well. Um, but that's a more of a long-term project. So we're looking at those things. Um, these are decisions that we can't sort of take lightly. And we're yeah. so we are looking at our own resources and maybe potentially attracting um, external investors to some of these initiatives. Um, so, yeah, those are still um, plans. Um, but... Um, yeah, we they as as uh, sort of my experience has shown these plans can very quickly escalate and start happening. Do you think there's been developments in the wine world in Armenia since we last spoke? I mean, maybe it's a short term, but I mean, I keep seeing so many new uh, wines coming onto the market. Seems like it's a thriving scene. Yes, absolutely. I mean, since since we spoke, yeah, it's like like you said, six months uh, yeah. may seem like a short time, but uh, a, a number of new um, producers have entered the market, and the incumbents also launched an, uh, new products. So it's becoming more and more sort of uh, interested, interesting, and uh, not to say crowded, because we're far from that. Yes, um, but. Um, I started noticing trends like, for example, in some um, grocery chains, I won't name them, but I can tell that uh, the amount of shelf space dedicated to wine is growing at the expense of the spirits and the vodkas, right. which are traditionally dominating um, the category. Uh, and so I see it as a positive um, trend um, that is in line with uh, the growth in sort of consumption and popularity of wine 
amongst the Armenian consumer. So watch this space. Yes. But I think this will continue, and I, I hope certainly it will. And then um, the other thing is, um, of course, a couple of really nice new places that I mentioned one before, the, the Barev Arev, but there are a couple of uh, similar concepts that open and they keep opening up, and they are um, wine sort of influenced or wine driven, which is good. Um, and yeah. um, the other thing that, just not to repeat myself, but uh, that uh, initiative of setting up the Berlin um, hub was r- really important. I think it will have um, sort of long-term, very positive impact, uh, just needs to be managed uh, correctly. And um, I think, again, knowing uh, people involved, but also knowing um, my colleagues um from the industry that we tend to sort of pull together, help each other out, and hopefully this will be good for everyone. Darren, well, thank you so much for coming back and talking to us. I can't believe how much you've achieved in quite such a short space of time, and I'm very much looking forward to uh, your next vintage. I look forward to this year. I think it will be productive and a lot still to learn in, in terms of in sales, but also in production. That's the big one for, for the year and to try and to sort of uh, expand the region beyond the Armenian borders as well to get it to, to, into more markets. So a busy um, year ahead. Uh, but just to compare, you know, we had a very busy, very um, tiring day when we harvested in 2021, but very rewarding. And we all pulled together with um, people, a crew from our village came to help us when we couldn't find anyone locally. Uh, and also our friends volunteered their time, worked tirelessly for um, the whole day. So I think it's this sort of collaborative efforts that will uh, make the difference this year. So I look forward to it. Thank you so much, Garen. It's a pleasure talking to you. Likewise. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening. And join me for the next episode when I'll be speaking to Artem Parsegian, head winemaker of Trinity Canyon Vineyards.